So open your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. This will be our last stop in Ecclesiastes, at least for the foreseeable future. What a journey this has been for us as we follow the wise Kohelet, that teacher and preacher. Uh, he has been so very honest. He has stared the realities of life under the sun in the face, and he invites us to do that uh, along with him here. Life is short, so enjoy the days that, uh, that God has given to you. Um, there is so much thinking of wisdom and how important wisdom is, and yet wisdom doesn't contain all the answers. There is so much of life that we will never uh, understand. The same types of things happen to uh, those who are wise and those who are fools. And so we come to these conclusions, and they're not meant to lead us to despair, not meant you know, to sort of be in this place of, of hopelessness. They're not intended to frustrate us or make us more uh, cynical. Uh, these are words of wisdom in this world that is passing away. We, we can try to hold on as tightly as we can to the things of this world, the, the prestige and the power, all these P words of, of possessions, um, pleasures, all of these things that they slip through our fingers just like water uh, through a sieve. In 1 John chapter 2, the apostle says that this world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Uh, in Ecclesiastes, there is not much that abides forever. Uh, but the, the will and the purpose of God who makes everything beautiful uh, in His time. So the God of eternity has the final word. And that's how the teacher concludes his investigation here for us. So um, let's read the closing of Ecclesiastes. We'll be again at verse 9. You'll find the switches back to... Uh, the third person, which is how Ecclesiastes uh, opens. Some think that this is an additional writer who maybe put in a prologue and then an epilogue uh, towards, uh, towards the end here. That's possible. It doesn't have to be the case. Uh, it actually could be the teacher himself speaking of himself um, that uh, allows us as readers to kind of make, make the proper assessment of these words as he's uh, sharing them. So it's the same Kohelet used in both places. So beginning at verse 9. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings they are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. The closing words of the wise preacher of Ecclesiastes. The grass withers, the flower fades, but it is the word of our God that endures forever. Let's pray together. Lord God, the word that you give, it will never return to you empty. You will accomplish all that you intend through your word. And so we submit to that word now as it is cast upon our hearts. Holy Spirit, illumine us. Shine the light of truth through these words upon our hearts and our minds that we might lean in, look to you, trust you, 
and know through this word uh, what we are called to be and to do as your people. Lord, as you show us more of yourself, the good shepherd, you show us ourselves and our need for you and the words you give. Guide us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, words are important. Words are powerful. And I don't think that's a shock to, to anyone sitting here this morning. Uh, but sometimes I think we can gloss over just how important and powerful words can be for building us up or for tearing us down. Now think of how God uses words. God spoke creation into existence. So words are a means of creation. They bring thoughts and ideas uh, into existence. But words can also tear down. They can do the opposite. They can destroy. Sticks and stones will break my bones. Words will never hurt me. Ha! You know, what, what a lie that is. You know, your, your bruise on your skin may disappear in a few days, but the bruise on the heart and mind from hurtful words or careless words, those may never fully heal. Proverbs 18 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Think of James 3, how he unpacks just how powerful and fickle our words can be. No one can tame the tongue. Our words can be so sweet um, and so bitter. Someone once said that when our words are spoken, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. Uh, such is the power uh, of our words. I want to share with you Christian uh, contemporary uh, musician, uh, Mark Schultz, uh, just, he has a tremendous job putting story uh, to song. As we think of how words can sustain us in the hardest of times, uh, words spoken or words written. Um, let me just share this song with you. Um, it may even resonate in some way with your own story. She ran to the mailbox on that bright summer's day, found a letter from her son in a war far away. He spoke of the weather and good friends that he'd made, said, I've been thinking about dad and the life that he had, that's why I'm here today. At the end, he said, you are what I'm fighting for. It was the first of his letters from war. And she started writing, you're good and you're brave. What a father you'll be someday. Make it home, make it safe. She wrote every night as she prayed. Late in December, a day she'll not forget, her tears stained the paper with every word that she read. It said, I was up on a hill, I was out there alone, when the shots all rang out, the bombs were exploding. And that's when I saw him, he came back for me. Though he was captured, a man set me free, and that man was your son. He asked me to write to you, I told him I would, oh I swore it was the last of her letters from war. She prayed he was living, kept on believing, and wrote every night just to say, you're good and you're brave. What a father you'll be someday. Make it home, make it safe. Still she kept writing each day. Then two years later, autumn leaves all around, a car pulled in the driveway and she fell to the ground. Out stepped a captain where her boy used to stand. He said, Mom, I'm following orders from all of your letters, and I've come home again. He ran to hold her, dropped all his bags on the floor, holding all of her letters from war. Words of a mother to her son. 
uh, words that she had prayed, words that she put uh, to paper, reminding him of how much he was loved, reminding him of who he was and what was true uh, amidst all of the pain and loss and discouragement around him. And that can really be deafening. As we follow the wise teacher of Ecclesiastes, sometimes we've been, we've been tossed to the ground, sort of in that foxhole of confusion and disappointment and frustration, pain that is this, this is our life. We're bombarded by all of these voices and ideas and opinions and explanations. I think so much of the time we feel like we've sort of been taken captive by the vices of, of the world. So we need words that sustain us. We need words to cling to. We need sound words that keep reminding us and bringing us back of who we are and what is true of us. So in conclusion this uh, journey here, the teacher tells us plainly what we must remember uh, in these few days that we've been given. I think all the chapters leading up to this point have just been an elaboration of what he summarizes here at the very end. These words of wisdom are important. They've been carefully chosen. They're powerful, uh, both in their, in their source and in their effect. Uh, and then he leaves a final word for us uh, to cling to. Uh, but by God's uh, wisdom, his providing these, uh, it's not just some hodgepodge, thrown together, random collection of Proverbs that we have. These words have been well thought out, well crafted. And whether this is Solomon or one who's writing about him, 1 Kings chapter 4 tells us that Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts, of birds, of reptiles, of fish. And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So the king's word were, words were weighed. He had tested them against his own uh, life experience. Uh, much like a, you, you take a, a script to a publishing company. Haven't done this. I don't know if anyone here has published a book. I'm not sure. But you take the script and then they, they go through with a fine-tooth comb. And all of the, you know, looking at the format and, and the language, and then they send it back, and then the script goes back, and then they send it back again. It can go through this over and over again before it finally goes to print. So that the teacher has, has studied, laid out these words carefully, and when the work goes to print, he's satisfied. These words are true. He has faithfully conveyed them, um, understanding they, their importance, and he's delighted in what he has taught the people. Not just words for me, not just words for you. These are words for the people, for us. We all need to hear them and share them uh, with the generations to come. We need to study them together. We're, we're all accountable to these words as we are the rest of God's inspired words. So wisdom to the community of God's people um, really has a way of reinforcing what we find the teacher uh, sharing in chapter 4 of, of two being better than one. You remember that back in chapter 4? If one falls, another is there to, to help uh, pick him up. Uh, if one's ambushed and, and finds himself or herself in a fight, there's another there to, to come alongside them. Is that not true and necessary in our use of words? 
the words that we share when we're learning about the faith, the words that we share in proclaiming the gospel, um, words that we share in defending the faith. Okay, we need help here. Okay, we need each other in finding and encouraging the right words, correcting our words, confessing with words, forgiving with words. So think of our time together, Sunday school, catechesis, even private conversations are so important and helpful uh, for this, to hear the language of the scriptures, and the language of faith. Um, you know, as one who uses a lot of written and spoken words throughout the week. I need help with this. Um, my grammar and spelling may be a lost cause, but I need, I'm grateful for the body of Christ uh, where these words are weighed and used uh, with a desire to honor the Lord and give Him glory. Now try and think of, of your favorite teacher or a favorite teacher that you've had. Maybe you're going back to elementary or middle school, maybe high school teacher. Someone that really resonated with you. You connected with them. They're probably quite personable. Um, but I'm guessing that this teacher was one of your favorites, if not the favorite, largely in part for how they used words. Either words that they spoke, or maybe words that they put in class notes or guides. Uh, their words struck you or had an impact on you, maybe even challenged you. So we can really be thankful here to this teacher and his use of words. Uh, words are important as his study reinforces that and the words are powerful. Uh, verses 11 and 12. Uh, they're like goads, these sharp sticks that prod the oxen so they'd move in that proper direction. Uh, words of wisdom guide us. They prod us along the proper path. And they're a source of stability like a firmly fixed nail. I mean you can literally, literally hang on these words. Because they're not going anywhere. That's the power of these words. In their effect, but even more so, their source. The words are given by one shepherd. Um, and when we hear that shepherding language, our thoughts may very well go to Solomon's father, King David. Um, David was the singing shepherd of Israel, and from his line comes more shepherds of God's people. So as the covenant king, Solomon would, uh, would be a shepherd of God's people. But he was not the shepherd. Okay. He was wise, but he was not the source of all wisdom. I mean, Solomon really failed to live up to so much of the wisdom that he found, that he taught to the people here. This shepherd language propels us to a greater shepherd that God gives. The shepherd who is the source of all wisdom. A shepherd who not only lived out these wise words, but is the living word himself. That is the shepherd. So these words are given by God through the experience and testing of the teacher. They carry the authority of the good shepherd. We see Christ's heart of compassion, his concern for the flock through these words. He is the pastor teacher who shepherds his people. He knows his sheep. His sheep recognize and respond to his voice. And so every other, every other word, every other insight must, must bow to the word of the shepherd. Uh, the words of scripture uh, that we hold. And uh, maybe you've lost your, 
lost your glasses, lost your keys somewhere along the line, lost your earbuds. And, uh, and so you're, you're searching frantically for these things, retracing your steps. Where did I drop these things? Until finally, you know, one of your kids or your spouse, you're about ready to throw things. I've never had this, but hypothetically speaking. Um, and they say, you mean the glasses on your head? Or the keys in your pocket? Which is really frustrating, but it's also, you know, you breathe this sigh of relief. Sometimes the things that we search for the hardest have been with us all the time. So that the temptation is going to come here. We'll be tempted to search out and move beyond the words of the shepherd. Because let's be honest, the, uh, in our, <laughs> the words here, in the scriptures that we hold, in our you know, clickbait, ticker tape, soundbite, uh, time, they're, they're not the most interesting thing maybe all the time for you to read. Um, we may be tempted to think that we, we need more than these words for healthy relationship with our God. That we need, we need more perhaps to establish some level of credibility with others. But here's where the teacher warns us. There's always going to be more words. There's always going to be more books my Amazon wish list confirms this all the time. More books to read, more books to write. So trying to keep up with the latest, that will be exhausting. And it may send you down the wrong path. So that the point here is not to stop reading broadly or only you know, be the Bible, be the only thing that you read. Though we could do a lot more of that, I'm sure. The weariness comes from this, this search for answers and getting... Uh, I'm thinking of a hamster wheel, getting stuck on this hamster wheel of words, um, either unintentionally or intentionally, with no real desire to get off the hamster wheel, no real desire for answers, no intention to move on with answers. Um, we find an example of this, actually, in 2 Timothy 3. Paul is warning Timothy about the godlessness and the, the dangers, the difficulties to come. He makes quite a list of, of maddening things. And then he concludes by saying, among those who are corrupt in mind, who oppose the truth, they're always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Um, truth about what? Well, this is the truth about God. Truth about our relationship to God. Truth about God's redeeming work in Christ. Truth about our existence and purpose for living. It's that kind of truth. And so we haven't lost those answers. They, they've been with us the whole time. We have these answers in the wisdom of God's Word. So there, there's no other word that corrects or supersedes the words of the one shepherd. So the warning is this. There, there are some who will go through life just searching, searching for answers. They, they may very well enjoy this, sort of make it their profession to look for answers. And their conclusion will be, at the end of the day, there is no one answer to these questions sort of floating around happily in, in relativity. If Jesus works for you, that's fine. If you want to read your Bible, you know, great. Just do it in the privacy of your home where no one else could be offended by the perception that you actually believe what you're reading is true. There's no answer that gives ultimate meaning or purpose. No, no answer that secures eternal salvation. My friends, the just wrath of God in a very real torment of hell will be full of those who say that there is no one answer. 
words of the one shepherd are important. They're powerful. Um, now all these words, now that they've been considered, here, here's the bottom line. We're, we're kind of bottom line people, aren't we? So if you're still with me, here's the bottom line. Here's his final word from the teacher. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of every man, woman, and child everywhere who has ever been and ever will be. This is what, this is what man is about. What fully satisfies humanity. You want an answer? You want a goal? You want purpose and meaning in this life under the sun? Then here it is. Fear God and keep His commandments. One commentator describes this fear as the knowledgeable faith of the man who has studied God and knows who he is. A knowledgeable faith. I like that. A right knowledge of God. A right knowledge of ourselves that puts us on our face in reverence and awe before Him. Where we would, we would have to worship if this were true of us. And we should want to obey every word that comes from Him. In his book on ethics, John Murray he wrote, the fear of God is the soul of godliness. Fear of God is at the very soul. And so we hear the word of the one shepherd in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So obedience is not the way that we earn God's love. It's the way that we show our love for God. If he has so loved us by giving his son over to death, by pouring out his wrath upon Jesus for the full satisfaction of his justice, how can we not love him in return? How can we not do that? We want to obey the God of eternity because of Jesus and united to Jesus in his death and in his resurrection, this duty has now become our delight. It's what we want to do. We can do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit really does, it really does change us. It changes our priorities. It changes the affections of our hearts. So as attractive as the things of this world may be, we say, no, those pleasures are passing away. I have a greater love. I have a greater desire. And it is to please my Father. In closing his letter to the Philippian church, Here's what Paul says. My God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So God will provide, which means He will provide what we need to obey Him. His grace will do that for us. He will enable us to obey. And we're thinking a little bit more about mothers and grandmothers today. Um, and uh, I think, and I know the, the day can be sweet and painful memories alike. Um, but I think that those whom God has enabled to be mothers understand the delight that is the duty. I think they understand that. The days may be exhausting. You know, seasons, seasons that are very hard and painful in the life of your family, as you watch your children grow, as you see the Lord refining you in this season of, of motherhood. And yet, as you look back, it's hard to imagine anything else. It's hard to imagine as you see your greatest delight in fulfilling the expectation, fulfilling the demands that, and the responsibilities entrusted to you as a mother to care for your family. The love of Christ compels us. It turns duty to delight. 
You know, at one time, Christians, Christians were actually known as God-fearers. That's how they were identified in the ancient world. And I wonder if those outside the church today would identify us that way, as God-fearers. How would they know? How would they uh, know that Christ is the greatest treasure of our hearts? How would they know that we live in the fear of Him? Is, is it not by our obedience to Him? Love for God, love for neighbor, giving ourselves for the sake of another. Um, extending that, well, that peace, that joy, that goodness, that gentleness, that faithfulness, all that, that character that's being formed in us. Um, and we know today that, that justice is not perfect. Uh, we've seen this, we've experienced this. Even when justice is uh, handed out, it is often, often imperfect, often slow. Uh, in coming, but that is not the case before the God of eternity. Um, he is holy and there is no thought, there is no intention, there's no action that's hidden from Him. I mean, that, that should be a tremendous encouragement for us as we see these evil days unfold. They're not, they're not going to have the last word. They will not prevail. God will, will sort it out. He'll set right all wrongs. It should be an assurance for us. And so that day is coming when the Lord will sort of step out of the shadows, as it were, and darkness will be no more. Um, if, if we believe that, I think we do. If we believe that, Lord, help our unbelief. Help our unbelief as we go through this vain life. Console us, Lord, with that truth. The psalmist puts these words in the mouth of the wicked. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Yikes, I wouldn't go anywhere near that bet. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. In Proverbs 15. So if you're here this morning, if you're listening, you've not yet turned to Christ, then that could be the most terrifying words that you've ever heard. That your thoughts, your every thought, your every word, your every deed will be accountable to God. And He will judge for it. But maybe, but maybe for the first time this morning, you're beginning to realize that your very purpose in living is to glorify God. And to live in the fear of Him by obedience to His commands of love. So no matter what road you've been down, no matter what road you may be on right now, now is the time to turn back. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Take the yoke of Christ upon you and learn from Him. He will pardon your sin. He will, he will give you of His Spirit and a peace that nothing in this world can satisfy. Will you turn to Him? Will you turn to Him and find the only answer for this vain life? And to you, brothers and sisters, within the family of God, um, do not grow weary in doing good. Cling to the words of the one shepherd. Work out your salvation. Work out this salvation in the fear of the Lord and labor after just a fuller assurance of who you are, of your identity and acceptance in the Lord Jesus Christ. And pray. 
pray in the vanity of this life that you would know more of him you have believed and are convinced that he is able to guard your life, to guard your commitment to him until that great day. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you have so graciously used words to communicate with us. Lord, we thank you that you've given us words we can even understand and internalize, apply to our hearts and to our lives. Uh, how wise are you, good shepherd, giving us your word. You give us more of yourself, the living word. And for this we praise you. Lord, if there are any here this morning who have yet to, to turn over their lives to you in repentance and faith and to cling to you as the one answer for life now and forever, Lord, I pray that you would work in their hearts this very moment and draw them. Lord, for those who have looked to you, may there be a rest in you, a deeper assurance the life you have given and a deeper desire to know you more through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.